Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. Real quick mailbag. We've got another voicemail from Jonathan Leonard. Hey, Greg. This is Jonathan. Um, I'm listening to your drink episode. And uh, there are a few covers that uh, They Might Be Giants have done that uh, Linnell's saying, if he picked them out, I don't I don't know. But off the top of my head, I know that he did uh, Savoy Truffle, uh, the Beatles cover, uh, through Being Cool by Devo for the Sky High soundtrack, and as well as I'm a Little Airplane by Jonathan Richman uh, for the podcast. Uh, they might be Giants podcast, not your podcast. You haven't gotten to that relationship point yet. But uh, anyways, love the show. Bye. And then Jonathan, who is clearly trying to overtake Spencer in the amount of voicemails left, called again. Hey, Greg, this is Jonathan once again. Uh, I guess I should clarify, when I call on these, it's honestly as I think of it, and so maybe I could concise all my thoughts into a singular call, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that I was thinking about with Drake, I don't know the source of this, if this was band-led or fan-led, but at least one thing that was interesting was... Uh, that when the band sings Drink Life, I've heard it to be known that um, the fans during the break and Let's Drink, Drink, that, that break in there, that you chant something, either uh, encouraging the alcoholic on with Drink, Drink, like, you know, chug, chug kind of thing, or you treat them as a recovering alcoholic. And so when Flansburg says Let's Drink, you yell, No, wait! in that chunk of time. So I don't know where that began, but it's just a funny, interesting note. Anyways, thank you. Love the podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening, Jonathan. He's uh, one of our listeners that's listened to all 100, 101 episodes so far. So thanks, man, for being a super fan. Anyone can leave us a voicemail at 224-801-2930. And on with the show. Early one day, I got up the strength to call you on the phone You answered and said, please leave a mess And I dropped the receiver then I'll do as you ask if I can figure out where you live And though the world may think you strange, I find you Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here 
with a uh, uh, newbie, not just new to the pod, but first time on a podcast ever, <laughs> Adam Latour, and we're going to talk about the deep cut. I'm your boyfriend now. What's up, Adam? Hi, hello. Uh, my name's Adam. Uh, internet name Cash Cash. Uh, Cash Cash. I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm always excited to talk to new people, and the, I mean, like I told you before we were recording, I've had over a hundred guests. I mean, between the Patreon episodes, which are usually like a group thing, and this is. The out of the weekly episodes, this is the 103rd episode I've recorded. Oh, wow. I'm just releasing 79. This is how far ahead I am. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've talked to a lot of people, and there have been quite a few that had never been on a podcast before. And, you know, they're, you know, varying degrees of being nervous about it. And I'm like, yeah, like I said, like, it's it's not live radio. Like, that would make me nervous. Like, my college radio show was like, you know, the broadcast range was like a 50-foot radius, like, to the dorms or whatever. Like, no one was listening. You know, we fucked around so much. We'd leave the microphones on and, like, clap along to songs and shit. Like, it was so unprofessional, but it was awesome. Uh, And it was, quote-unquote, streaming, but it was 2002 streaming. So it was like you had your Winamp player, your real player, whatever, and it would, like, jam up and buffer, like, every 30 seconds. But, you know, podcasts are easy, and um, my catchphrase is just, we'll fix it in post. So <laughs> so thanks for uh, being brave and, and coming up. First, first time podcaster. Yeah. And I know you are a young fella. How old are you? Uh, 21. 21. You got your whole life ahead of you. I got one foot in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to be 39. Once I hit 40, then I'll really start crying. Um, whatever. Whatever. Uh, you know, I'm 39 and I'm just now making it in the podcasting world, kind of. Not really. I don't know. You know. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I uh, was introduced to you through. Or I was made aware of you through my friend Averin Keating, who has been on before. Who really? Um, yeah. Well, I was just talking to people about art, and Averin is a uh, visual art. Uh, Averin is an artist, and just like various people we'd come across on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram seem to be good places, better than Facebook, for artistic types to be meeting each other these days. Yeah. Um, Facebook, it's just really hard to promote your own shit, you know, like the, I don't know, if, do you have an art page on, on Facebook or do you just put yourself other places? Um, I normally do stuff on Twitter now and Instagram yeah. um, when, right. I, when I remember to log in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like an hour before, I'm like, uh, are you going to be ready to do this? Where are you? I realized I didn't have your email and I'm like, Twitter DMs for me as well are like the worst place to talk to anybody. I always yeah, I don't notice a message is there or whatever. So I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, I don't have any other way to get a hold of Adam. <laughs> but it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. So where do you post your art and what kind of uh, what kind of stuff do you do? Tell the listeners about your art. Okay. So for me, 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at cash underscore cash underscore. And my art page is... Hold on. Isn't one of those a K? Oh, yes. Yes. First one K, uh, second one C. So... There you go. Yeah. So K-A-S-H underscore C-A-S-H underscore. Yes. Important detail. (laughs) (laughs) And my art page is K-A-S-H C-A-S-H art. No underscore on that one. No underscores at all. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Yeah. It's hard when you, you can't get all of the exact internet names you want i don't know it's yeah you got a finagle and i think with like yeah. underscores it kind of like messes up like if someone's like searching you on twitter like a certain tweet it kind of messes up as things of space yeah it's one of those weird characters yeah it, yeah i um when i was launching the podcast i'd actually already launched the first episodes and then I think I was searching for it myself on like Apple Podcasts, and there was already a podcast called This Might Be a Podcast, <laughs> but it was about just like, like it was pretty much dormant. Um, there hadn't been episodes in forever, and like it had, I don't know, it didn't seem to have many, you know, reviews or anything. It just kind of seemed like a dead podcast. And I talked to Adam, my tech guy at Punk News, you know, we're in the, po- the Punk News Podcast <laughs> Network, and he's like, he's like, ah. I don't know. That might be a problem. And I'm like, dude, it'll be fine. (laughs) And luckily it has. I haven't gotten like a cease and desist from some (laughs) angry guy. You stole my podcast name and made a podcast that people actually listen to. (laughs) So it's been fine. But so cash, cash, K C cash, cash. Got it. So uh, what, what kind of stuff do you do? Um, well at the moment, actually, um, I was definitely, well, I always draw, so you can always like do expect some of that stuff on my art page. But as for me, um, I'm I guess you could say I'm more into trying to break into like a uh, YouTube reviewing. Okay, you know, you know like um, a lot of the people that I affiliate with, you know, like Tomb Raider, Tariq, Man of a Thousand Thoughts, etc. You no, know, often take a look at like animated me and some obscure stuff. But I have like some big stuff like planned that I haven't seen like anyone else, like uh, no real cover. So I'm really excited to really just like take hold of that. It, it, can you reveal any of the big stuff? Maybe it will have happened by the time this comes out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what um, are you planning, man? Come on. Don't leave me hanging like that. Well, um, the biggest thing, and also I apologize in advance if I'm talking about <laughs> something that you have no idea what it is. It's fine. There's a lot of listeners that, that will. Okay. So, Go for it. Um, I guess to condense it for the sake of time. Um, so there's this anime called um, Initial D, which is basically um, just a bunch of like early 20-something street racing, Eurobeat, you know, stuff like that. So hmm. around like 2003, I'm coming called Tokyo Pop, you know, bought over to the States. But it was a very of-the-time English dub, you know, had licensed American music, the name changes, mm. etc. And, of course, uh. a lot of these anime fans, they don't like it. But for me, I guess in general, I've been of a perspective where it's like, it's easy to say something's bad, but if you don't want to go into detail about it, then it's whatever. So what I wanted to do was, like, do, like, an actual analysis 
on this dub if there is any positives. I actually like ordered like the second half of this dub from Amazon because it's just not online. So I'm very much dedicated to this because I. Feel you mean like- you had to pay? You had to pay for media? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in 2020, people are paying for stuff still. Yeah, stuff that was made when I was like five years old. Yeah, well, you're you're basically you're like six years old now, right? <laughs> <laughs> to be twenty one again, uh, no, that that's uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm I would have I'd be totally out of my depth if I attempted to talk about anime, but um, not that I don't appreciate that uh, artistic style. There's a lot of cool stuff. Oh yeah, um, that I can appreciate about that, but I wouldn't be able to talk about it in any capacity. But I'm sure it sounds like maybe an a uh, you know a niche subject that that could get you some subscribers on youtube you think people would be into that yeah yeah and actually nice. um hopefully that th- this doesn't uh no make you go on a tangent um <laughs> you never know yeah i'm sorry <laughs> um and i don't know if anyone else has bought this uh but i guess just to immediately say how i personally got into they might be giants i want to say it was around I'd say like 2004, um, because Nicktoons was still showing reruns of a show called Kablam. It's one of my favorite, uh-huh. one of my favorite shows, and of course they had shown two music videos: uh, Doctor Worm and mm-hmm. Why Is the Sunshine. Doctor Worm being my mm. personal favorite. But yes, of course. Same. I'm like super young. I barely know how to use the internet, so it was a while before I could actually like track these people down online. Yeah. And really, like, find that, oh, hey, there's more music like this. I really joke yeah. with this. So, wait, you were born in 90... 98. Yeah. 98. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> fucking God. I'm trying to come to grips with my own mortality. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, man. So, the the spine had come out. But, so, had did you find the spine? Or what did you find when you were looking, looking, you know, when you were, like, got your... Your grubby little kid mitts just pounding away on a, a computer, and you're like, "Oh, what is this?" And what did you find? Well, to be honest, um, I, I tried to listen to like everything, but when I was a kid, I had very barely um, broken out of that whole niche where I just listened to like video game music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's some pretty great video game oh, music, of course. But uh, when I was in high school, I feel like that's when. Um, I really started to not only get into like more types of like actual music, but more uh they might be giant songs too. Um I know like uh New York City, um I'm in boyfriend now, Dr. Worm. Um I think the else was that whole album was just like on endless repeat for like my junior and senior years of high school. So well, it's a deserving album to be on oh, repeat. Yeah. That album fucking rules. <laughs> and it, <laughs> And just meant that much more to me because in my junior year, uh, my first concert was actually to They Might Be Giants. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So where? So you're in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Brooklyn. Nice. So, yeah, what, uh, this was, sorry, what year again? Oh, the year of the concert? Yeah. I want to say like maybe like 2014, 2015. It was in Williamsburg. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Williamsburg uh, Music Hall, um, probably. I mean, that's they have their <laughs> their kind of set places they always play. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, the, I, I feel like with that place, I can basically just be call the venue and be like, hey, we want to play on this date. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that would have been the, um, so you were probably seeing the, well, I guess what would they have been touring on then? I mean, were they touring on Glean yet or was this before that? I want to say it was for Glean because like in the little store they had, I was actually able to get a copy that was signed by them. Pre-signed, of course. But yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, It's funny, actually, uh, this episode is not aired yet, but I I talked to, um, let's see, the song, have you ever heard the song Whole Lot of Glean? Whole Lot of Glean. No. (laughs) Whole Lot of Glean. So... Yeah, it's it's basically a B-side from that era. It was on a just like a silly little promotional video they did. It was a time lapse of John Linnell signing like a thousand CDs or something, a thousand oh copies of Glean. God. So this song is called A Whole Lot of Glean, and it's about uh, like how they bought all these Sharpies and stuff. Like It's pretty funny. You should look it up. But uh, <laughs> oh that episode will be coming out in a couple weeks, actually. I talked to a guy named Noah who's in Germany uh, about that song. And it's just, it's another really obscure song, kind of like I'm Your Boyfriend Now. Um, I mean, maybe more obscure because it hasn't come out on a, like a CD, like I, at least, you know, I'm Your Boyfriend Now came out on a companion CD. But, oh, cool. Uh, so it's it's a cool little song and it's about them prepping those autographs <laughs> for you guys at the show. So, yeah, um, I was trying to look up when that show would have been. But yeah, I guess it would have been on the Glean. Yeah tour so that's uh that's a good time to see them that was a good year for them because they they brought back the full-on dial a song every wednesday putting out yeah a song yeah uh yeah so a whole lot of glean was one of those songs but it never made it onto one of the albums mm-hmm. it just kind of was a youtube thing um so yeah when you got into the band then and back to 2004 like youtube was invented in 2004 i want to say and it was bought by Google a few years later. Um, so, like, YouTube was around, but it was a lot harder to find out about yeah. stuff. Even even then, it seems like that wasn't that long ago. But in internet time and, like, technology time, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Streaming music was still not as accessible as it is today. Definitely. Now, I want to say, I think if not for that show, I wouldn't be as internet savvy as I was. Because of the fact that it was an animation showcase, it didn't get shown a lot. There's no official release. So very early, I had to scout on like VO and Gooba and all these small <laughs> sites just to Gooba. watch the show. Gooba. I forgot about that. Exactly. <laughs> what a stupid name. <laughs> and I thought it was magic because I, my, my small brain didn't realize you can upload videos longer than 10 minutes to the internet. Whoa. Yeah, and now look, yeah. No, we have like... Everything's on the internet. I mean, all our TVs are basically just running off the internet. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, we just got a new smart TV that has actually a pretty decent uh, YouTube app on it. Mm -hmm. And I have... I mean, my band has a a YouTube channel, but with this e-learning thing, I'm a music teacher, and uh, so I started up... Like, basically, my music classes are now little 15-minute videos that the kids, like, their homework for music is to just watch... (laughs) Watch my videos that I post twice a week, and I'll flip them on for my for my baby who's uh, eighteen months old. Yeah, um, oh, she'll be getting close to two by the time this comes out. Thanks, <laughs> and she'll she'll be like like I'll be like, "Where's Dad at?" And she'll like point at the TV and then point at me, 
and then point at the TV. It's like that Spider-Man meme where the two Spider-Men are pointing at each other. <laughs> uh, she's like, wait, 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 what? What's going on here? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty cool to see yourself. Now you can watch YouTube and it actually feels like TV because you can watch it on your TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. I actually. So people will be watching your new channel <laughs> on their TVs. Oh, do you mind if I, because I just remembered something else about like, they might be giants in animation. Bring it. So, um, so I guess like one, um, I guess like the more important thing, uh, when I had a smaller cousin who was born to the world, um, if I remember, because especially when she was young, she was like really big into uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, but it wasn't uh-huh. until later until I found out that john john is the music <laughs> so yep. i'm just looking up the songs and They're i everywhere. found uh it was here it, it was their numbers album right here come the one two threes but then i'm just listening to some of them and i'm like number eight especially it just like it doesn't even sound like a quote-unquote kid song it's just something that i would unironically listen to and i have to admire right. that a lot yeah yeah um yeah, if you uh, go back and listen, dig through some episodes, I talked to, well, I've talked to Danny Weinkoff three times, mm. and I had Marty on once, and he talked about recording, I mean, I just love this, I've brought it up anytime we talk about kids' songs, that when Marty came into the band, he wasn't on No, that was Dan Hickey, but when he came in, they were recording The Spine, and here come the ABCs, at the same time, like they'd be in the studio and record songs for one and songs for the other all at the same time. And when you're recording drums, typically the vocals aren't on the track yet. And, and Marty had probably heard them, but he's probably just drumming along with a click track and maybe bass guitar and guitar. Um, I don't know how much live recording they do, but for him as the drummer, he was treating them all the same. Like he was drumming just as hard and doing just as awesome as stuff on the spine songs as he was on the here come the ABC song. So like he's, you know, straight from a member of the band. He's like, yeah, we, you know, the kid songs, they, the lyrics aren't as dark, but (laughs) we, we want to make them just as interesting as our adult songs, you know? You're not getting as much like microtonal stuff, but there are some pretty weird kid songs that they've written. Um, they, you know, they they don't treat them with kid gloves, so to speak, right? Yeah. They're like, we're going to rock this out, but it's going to be educational in the lyrics rather than being about, you know, a stalker like we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, again, this is like another weird animation thing that I'm remembering. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and feel free to correct me on this, but if I remember correctly, um, there was another like um, Disney Channel show that I um, used to watch when I was younger, um, Higley Town Heroes, and I think that was another yeah. one that they yep. did the song to. So in a way, it all it all <laughs> connects. I think there were guest stars too. Yeah, and that was a that was a bonus track on one of them. I don't know if his ABCs or one two threes. One of those had Higley Town Heroes as the the one of those is the bonus track. Uh, yeah, they're just they just got their finger in everything. They're just everywhere, and they've solidified themselves as this band that is just a generational band. And it's like Weird Al in a way, where if you go to their concerts, 
I mean, lots of times, unfortunately, rock bands pretty much sometimes are stuck playing at 21 and over places or 18 and over places. Yeah. But yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. But like, I, I feel like even if it was a not like a kid's show promoting a kid's album, like they haven't put out a kid's album in five years. Yeah. Um, but if it was an all ages show, just a regular They Might Be Giant show. You'd see, you know, people would bring like their, you know, six-year-old with some, you know, ear protection on. <laughs> so you'd see six-year-olds up to like, I mean, the, I mean, they've been around since '82. So if there are people that got into them early on, you know, they'd be, you know, getting up there. You know, they could be as old as the Johns, who are, I mean, they're in their sixties. They're not like super old, but yeah. you know, get from like they might be giants fun for ages six to 60 you know like you know they they appeal to everybody because they keep tapping into these markets like you know homestar runner malcolm in the middle tiny tunes for my generation oh nick Rocks. um every they're everywhere and then you know and then they'll mix it up with i mean a lot of I mean, Homestar Runner isn't a kid's cartoon, so they're, they're, you know, it's a cartoon, but it's not meant for kids, really. Oh, yeah. Not that, it, not that it's that crass. Are you a Homestar Runner fan? I'm vaguely aware of it. Um, I'll, I'll, that, I mean, that was around when you were, I mean, they're still going a little bit, but it was going it's, at its hardest. You were a toddler. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Telltale Games fan, so I, of course, know of it in no, some fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's, it's great. I just listened to an interview on another podcast with those two brothers that did that. And I'm like, I got to get them on the podcast. I mean, because they brought up They Might Be Giants about, you know, getting to do that video with them. And it's just like, okay, that makes sense. I need to, you know, see if these guys have a, I'm sure they have management or something. I think they're at that, <laughs> you know, level. But, uh, you know, I, I can make that happen. I've had, I've, I've gotten several people on now who ha- are people that, are famous enough to have managers, <laughs> so I, I I'll I'll get going on that. The Homestar Runner guys, um, yeah. If you find any, about any cool anime people that are into, they might be giants. I'd love to again tapping into other markets and finding people that are into different stuff that also like they might be giants because they might be giants just permeates everything. It seems like oh yeah, everything cool. Anyone worth worth a crap likes they might be giants, right? We can be in agreement on that. <laughs> and as a matter of fact. Um, and again, I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the animation guy. <laughs> Quit apologizing. Just, just talk, man. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the animation guy in my immediate friend circle. Um, well, my, my college friends, <laughs> but, sure. um, if there's one thing, uh, that I actually noticed, um, like one of my personal favorite cartoons that well, isn't Steven Universe, um, was <laughs> was Mighty Magiswords by uh, Kyle Carosa, and apparently he's a They Might Be Giants fan too. I I don't know. I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, they're everywhere, man. Anyone? Yeah. Any? I mean, any kind of like, and I say nerd in a loving way because I consider there's all different types of nerds. But anyone who's in like any of that like nerd subculture. Uh, you know, all us weirdos that are into stuff that, you know, most normal people, you know, you walk down the street and you're like, hey, you like <laughs> they might be giants to be like, what, are you, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, but like people like us, like I'm not into anime and you are, but I'm into, you know, other nerdy stuff. Yeah. But they might be giants are like the connective tissue there, you know, all that nerd subculture stuff. They all love they might be giants because they just are a, a band that loves Nerds and nerds love them. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a wonderful wonderful place to be. They tie all this together. 
I very much could be here like all day. Just like, uh, you remember that one sketch from It's Always Sunny where Charlie just like has like the whole board, you no know, problem. Yeah. Utopia. <laughs> I like, probably could do that, just like tracing all the ties that the band has animation. <laughs> that would be hilarious if you if you parody that oh and took a, a picture of yourself with a ball <laughs> of scraps of paper and yarn connecting them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even that in itself was parroting a perfect mind, I think, or my, you know, that kind of like, I'm so deep into this. I just, I'm just like obsessed with this thing. And I think I figured it out. I, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the greatest, uh, things to, to use for a meme. I think that, that picture of Charlie. Yeah. I love, love that show. Oh man. How great would that be? If any of those guys on that show were fans of they might be giants. Oh my God. Get them on, man. I'd talk to any of them. I love Charlie. So, uh, you picked a song off a bonus disc for the Else. So, when you got the Else, you got it on CD and it had the bonus CD then? Um. <laughs> or you stole it from, from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you downloaded it. Yeah. Yeah, this is before. How dare you? I, this, I will say, like, once I found out through Spotify, you know, I, I wanted to listen to it the legit way. So, you know. <laughs> But yes, you you know all of these recordings go straight to the Johns, and they're going to find what? out about it and put you in. They might be Giants jail. <laughs> Their management is aware, but they don't. They're not listening to these. I you know, it'd be cool if they were, but I don't. I don't think so. Uh, so the but I they know the drill. I mean, even with Long Tall Weekend, I mean they're like, okay, this is the way music is going. Let's put it up for download. But who could? Yeah, and they kind of. We're on the forefront of the streaming thing with you probably missed this version of the website because it was, again, when you were super little, <laughs> uh, the TMBG clock radio. Have you heard of that? Um, No, actually. You- yeah. So uh, I-, I like to say that they should have patented that idea because they basically invented Pandora. They you could go to. Uh, uh, well, they had TMBG.com, but then they had TMBG. I think it might have been TMBG clock or something like that an offshoot of their site where basically you would just go to the site and it was like a flash flash animation of this little radio and there were four different like bands or stations <laughs> that basically it just played they might be giants related stuff just streamed it 24 hours a day so if you wanted to hear a random shuffle of they might be giants and this was like in 2002 2003 i was in college i would go there you just Pop that open on your browser, and if you had a decent internet connection, it would yeah. just flip through random, and it would play, like, deep cuts. I mean, there's some stuff, if you're on the wiki, where it'll say, like, it's such a rare track. Oh, but it got played on the clock radio, and that might have been the only place it was ever heard. It's it's crazy, yeah, that's and that's cool. so cool. So they, they were basically like, yeah, streaming, you know, people want to stream our music. This, you know, a decade before Spotify was created. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah. So, um, I'm your boyfriend now. How did you land upon this as your track of choice? Um, honestly, I guess it was the one that I just liked the most out of that um, second album. You know, it just had, like, um, I just want to say, like, a, a like a very organic feel. And I think... In the, uh, at the risk of sounding hyper analytical here, um, this—that's what this podcast is all about, man. <laughs> get deep, get deep in it. But I guess I liked how you know the tone. You know, it was de- definitely just like 
um, you know, very happy, you know, very much an earworm. But then you look at the lyrics and like, oh, this kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <Yeah. laughs> Just a little. Just a little. Yeah, it, it, it is such a great song. I mean, Put Your Hand on the Computer is a great one to start mm-hmm. the disc with because Cast Your Pod to the Wind, they were coming off of their, you know, they were, again, so early in the game in podcasting, and they've abandoned it long ago, but it was like, here's some songs we wrote for the podcast. Let's put them on a physical disc. We'll just throw it in with the else. And Put Your Hand on the Computer makes total sense as the one to start with. Um, and then Cast Your Pod to the Wind track is the very last track. But obviously, I'm your boyfriend now. They put it up there that just because it's a banger, and you just like to to you know get the whole rest of the tracklist rolling. And it is a really good disc. I mean, it's not a proper album, but I think it almost should have been just like Phone Power, or My Murdered Remains. Like I feel like it could have been released by itself, yeah, with its own artwork and stuff, you know. Um, and I mean, it did kind of have its own artwork, the Squiggle logo, which. I just got stickers made by my resident artist, Abby Bash, made, uh, <laughs> made me a, a parody logo of the Squiggle logo. Um, this might be a podcast, Squiggly in purple instead of the orange that they used. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great song. And as far as like um, the history of this song goes, there is a demo. This was um, on Cast Your Pod to the Wind, Brain Problem Situation had never been released. Um, no plan B had only been performed a few times live, uh, and on a radio show. I'm looking off the wiki here, of course, but, uh, I'm your boyfriend now, as well as we live in a dump were re-recorded just for this disc because they had been demoed, uh, six years before. Um, so yeah, the demo, yeah, 2001. So this was part of the mink card demos. It just didn't end up on mink card, didn't end up on the spine, um, and didn't end up. I. I mean, I think it's good enough to have been on the else. I mean, honestly, this this shouldn't be a B side. It's a fucking A side. So let's uh, let's give a listen to that demo right now. Early one day, I got up the strength to call you on the phone. You answered and said, "Please leave a mess," and I dropped the receiver. Then I'll do as you ask if I can figure out where you. So what do you think of that? The demo version. You said you had heard it before? Yeah, this is my first time like re-listening to it in a long while. Um I I find like some of the instruments that they went through like a little bit interesting, but um oh it's the time code around like 121. I, I definitely have to admit the guitar and the final one definitely sounds a lot better to my ears. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a demo. This is the kind of thing that us musicians do. It's like you're not going to spend as much time fiddling with 
knobs on your stuff. You just be like, I got an idea. And you're just going to play it. Yeah. You know, you'll worry about getting it sounding really good later. Uh, I, I also like, because, you know, it's got the drum machine. It's like, oh, you know, our drummer will, will lay down real drum tracks later, which yeah. they did. You know, M- Marty got on, even though this was written during the Dan Hickey drum era, uh, Marty was the one that finally got to play it. Uh, and I love the drum machine when it goes to your boyfriend likes it. It's like ting, yeah, yeah, ting, the bell. ting, yeah. ting. <laughs> so that was pretty some pretty heavy-handed drum machine. But again, it was just like a demo. And and then they decided to release it on Team BG Unlimited, uh, which was like the fan club uh, at the time. You had to pay for it to get this. This was on the June EP um, that those uh, subscribers would get. Mm-hmm. So. A special, a special treat. They got that, and then six years later, they heard it all beefed up and made all slick for Cast Your Pods of the Wind. Um, and let's see, it also appeared on again. It was played on the TMBG Clock Radio. It was played on uh, podcast episode nine A and podcast fifty six again. Um, but yeah, not released until. Uh, so I guess after they played it on the podcast, they're like. Well, you know the song is pretty good. Let's uh, let's make it sound even better and put it on a CD. So, I'm I'm glad they did. Yeah, definitely. It's a great song. Uh, oh, there. Did you catch the? Oh, yeah. You might not have listened all the way through. There's a lyrical difference towards the end, where instead of um, I can read it in your heart, I can hear it in your silence. In this version, he gets even more obvious. It says, and I know. That the restraining order wasn't oh, meant to hurt. So I guess he probably thought that was a little too too on the nose. Uh, you know, Linnell wants you to think about his lyrics a little more. And obviously it comes off as pretty creepy almost after like maybe the first less listen, you wouldn't notice. You'd just be like, Hey, this is a really catchy song. Yeah. But then the second, second time through, you're like, wait. And then the third time through, you're like, man, this guy's a creep, but this song is so catchy. Yeah. It's not exactly a song can sing in public. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or outside someone's window. <laughs> and so, <laughs> <laughs> just for your information i'm right outside uh but so yeah he thought that restraining order bit was a little well like well i'm kind of laying all my cards out on the table with that maybe i'll peel it back a little bit yeah but overall the song's pretty much intact like they just made it sound slicker yeah those guitar tones are better they are the uh, guitar tones are a little obnoxious on the uh the the demo very trebly and, and just very sh- pointy yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way i can describe it uh so let's talk about the the uh proper version from cast your pod to the wind which was then played on podcast 34a um oh on the japanese release of the else it was actually on the album oh really so yeah, they considered Brain Problem Situation, We Live in a Dump, and I'm Your Boyfriend Now to be good enough of B-sides to just smash them on the, the, the single CD version of the else, which, so right after the Mesopotamians went into Brain Problem, then Dump, then Boyfriend. That's uh, Yeah, that's always, like, really interesting when they're, like, bands, like, 
you know, have like different like playlists for like, you know, different territories. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like that was something you saw a lot more. I mean, you saw it a lot in the 60s, like all the Beatles albums and Rolling Stones albums would have like. And they're starting to make available like, oh, the UK version that the track list <laughs> on the UK version is way better. <laughs> you know, some snobby guy would say, you know, but in the 60s, the people at the record labels were like, I don't know. I think Americans would like it better if we did it this way. We'll just shuffle these around. It's like, why? I don't even know why they would bother. But you know honestly, I think the else, I think those three songs should be on the else. I mean, the else is only 13 tracks. They've had albums with 19 tracks. I mean, just throw them on there. Yeah, why not? Come on. And also, um, I guess I just wanted to make like a quick analogy. Yeah. Um, you know, just that earlier when you were mentioning, you know, like, you know, different regions having like different music uh, differences. You know, the one thing that just popped in my my head. Uh, again, I'm sorry for the gratuitous nerdy reference. <laughs> Dude, uh, don't stop apologizing. <laughs> I'm gonna cut all them out. Anytime you say I'm sorry, I will cut it out from here on. But F- speak freely. Um, yes. Are you familiar with uh, Sonic CD? Uh, no. Okay, so it was the song game on the Sega CD. Uh huh. Yeah. So the whole thing with it was that it had completely different soundtracks if you were in Japan or in America, and people are sure. still arguing to this day as to which one has the better <laughs> songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I guess you do see that still in Japanese stuff for some reason. And back in the '90s, I mean, I was just talking about some nerdy video game stuff with people because I just hooked up my my NES and and SNES again. Mm. It's an old t- old TV I got. Uh, put it up in the guest room, and I've got. Um, well, I had the version of the Nint- the American version of the Nintendo, uh, the boxy one, the front loader. I had that. Um, got that when I was like seven. I remember it's like my I had my first communion, and relatives gave me money. I was like six or seven years old, you know, <laughs> and I had 150 bucks, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting a Nintendo, <laughs> and you know, 1980 whatever, and. Then, but then in '92, when when the SNES came out, they're like, "Well, we're still going to push the NES too," and they made a Famicom style top loader. Yeah. Um. So like, there's shit like that, like all this Japanese stuff, all these uh uh you know companies making video games are putting out different versions of the hardware. Like, why would the why would the U.S. want? Why would you need to design a whole different mechanism? Why not just put out the Famicom in the U.S.? I mean, it's the same kind of thing. The <laughs> Sega stuff, it's like, why do double the work? What's like, what's so Japanese about the Sonic one? I mean, are the songs sung in Japanese? Um, okay, so for a Sonic CD, um, you had the opening and the ending songs. Uh, you know, so in Japan, you had... Uh, uh, Sonic Warrior. In the U.S. had Sonic Boom. So you have like different theme songs. Um, okay, yeah. So basically, the CD music, uh, well, that's all the same. But like when you go into the past, uh, those music are still the same. Uh, technical reason, do yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's still like very interesting because um. For Japan, you definitely have like more like a bombastic, like synth pop, jazzy feel. But in the U.S., mm. you know, definitely more like of a ambient, like hard rock leaning to it. So, sure. and they're definitely both good. 
um, you know, there are some people who are like, oh, so I like start a speedway in the U.S., but I like Palm Tree Panic in Japanese, you know. <laughs> people are very particular. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's funny. That's what I'm saying. Like these 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 nerdy little like subcultures and these like, this, yeah, this very niche thing. And the Internet has just created these little communities for something as what what seems totally just like so specific. Why would people care about this one thing? But people do, and now they have a place to argue about it, yeah. you know, on the internet. <laughs> and I, I guess that makes sense because music, um, you know, as far as like big music markets go, you know, there's the US, there's the UK, and like Japan and Korea are like really blowing up now, e- even, you know, crossing over to the US and stuff, all these K pop bands and oh, J pop yeah. bands. But yeah, I guess back, you know, even back 10 years ago, maybe the Japanese companies were like, ah, we got to put some more guitars into this or something, you know, needs more guitar, which, you know, so yeah, I don't know. But now Americans don't like stuff with guitar in it either. So (laughs) everything's just all synthesizers, which I like synthesizers too, but can't we have both? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Put them together, man. Put the, put the, the peanut butter and the chocolate, you know, you got to mix it up, get the best of both worlds, synthesizers and guitars. That's why they might be giants rules because yeah. they got, it's a guitarist and a keyboardist making some music. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. What? Uh, no, just, I was just like the quick thing. I'm going to say, yeah, trust me. Like I know, uh, I definitely respect synthesizers because as someone who used to dabble in like chiptune for the Sega Genesis, I know. Ooh. Yeah, I definitely know how it is with you know that sweet spot with like getting those instruments to sound good. You no, know, I, mm-hmm. I've I've a because I feel like it's not just like people my age who like weren't really exposed to it, but anyone when they say, "Oh, the Genesis had bad sound or synthesizers is my thing," I'm like, "You really are." underselling you know, yeah yeah you know right right and i yeah i'm a nintendo guy through and through and like i i picked a side early on and i i was with i was a nintendo and i was actually i was just listening to a podcast actually about well it was about all about the the playstation really but they were talking about nintendo because nintendo and sony like there was almost yeah. a cd you know peripheral for for super nintendo yeah um yeah and then they ended up doing the playstation when that fell apart but like the super nintendo was known for its you know its sound um over the genesis but uh but one thing that's cool about chiptune is you want those kind of like restrictions and the little the tinny sound like that's part of the appeal of it yeah and each each game system has different you know sound cards and sound you know whatever the fuck it is were you were you using uh em- sorry i curse a lot and the were you using like emulators for it or were you doing actually like taking apart a genesis oh i wish now the program that see at first i was working with fl studio with a like a vst yeah. that basically it was emulated but it still had the real sounds but sure. later i was basically teaching myself a tracker called Defle mask and you can actually mm-hmm put what you make in that program on a real flash card and put it on a real Genesis. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I've been thinking about trying to get into chiptune, but as an old guy who likes analog synthesizers and shit, like right here, right here, I got, well, it's my, they might be giants foam finger on oh, top cool. of, <laughs> on top, on top of a 1982 Roland Juno synth. 
which is an analog synthesizer. So like the dork in me wants to be like, I still have my NES and SNES. I don't know if I want to tear them apart, but like, I think my mom still has my Game Boy, the original Game Boy. I want to do like for real chip tune, just because like the little like the something about like the the craftiness of it, like actually. Oh yeah. Using the the hardware there is appealing to me. Um, yeah, like, but because I'm a sucker for that sound, and there's a lot of they might be giants chip tune covers. None of this song, unfortunately. Because maybe you should do one. Yeah, I might have to break out of my hiatus and relearn Devil Mask. I w- I'd lo- I'd love to hear Sonic the Hedgehog singing. I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And Tails could do the backups. Um, <laughs> I did like Sonic. I did like that game when I would go over to uh, friends' houses and Altered Beast and uh, and yeah and, and Michael Jackson's uh, Moonwalker, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best. <laughs> Why did Michael Jackson have a video game? I don't know, but it was fun. <laughs> you know, like they almost put Thriller into it, but they actually didn't have the rights, so that's why in the graveyard level. Um, it was what? another part of me playing instead. Okay. Yeah. Just like was that when weird bit of shit? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, the the game I've been playing actually is this game that I've been meaning to tweet out about this. See if anyone loves this game like I do. The Super Nintendo game called Rock and Roll Racing. Oh yeah, yeah. It had. Uh... Dude, you know that game? Yeah. 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 Like. Um... So it has the Super Nintendo sound versions. It's basically. It's chiptune versions essentially of like bad to the bone and uh born to be wild and uh paranoid by black sabbath all this all these great just classic rock songs but with that super nintendo sound and the game rules and i've actually i've been playing it and writing down my password so that i can continue the game the next nights like after my wife goes to sleep i go play super nintendo and i'm still really fucking good at it i'm playing it on the warrior level and i think i'm gonna fucking beat the game i no one wanted to play that game with me anymore because i got too good at it (laughs) You know, you ever had that happen where it's just like you you're the one that owns the game, you play it a lot, your friends come over and you play it and you have fun and they like it, but then eventually you've just gotten so much more practice than them yeah. that you're just whooping their ass every time. They never win a race and then they're just like, Let's play something else. I'm like, No, yeah, I want to play rock and roll racing. <laughs> That's exactly my situation with fighting games. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's your fighting game of choice? Because I did Street Fighter 2 and Killer Instinct. That was my era. For me, um, the the couple that I've been playing, um, Street Fighter 4, Ultra Street Fighter 4, mm. um, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Oh. Yeah. Power Rangers has, like, a, like a fist fighting game? Yeah, yeah. They actually made, like, an actual wow. fighting game. And it's good, too. Yeah, that's supposed to be, like, family-friendly shit. Yeah. Um, wow. Are there fatalities? No, there's not fatalities. <laughs> well, green is dead. Sorry. Well, <laughs> you, you spoiled the game without even realizing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. They kill it actually off. has a really good story. but <laughs> They kill off the character in the video game, and then it transfers over to the show. Is that show still going? Is there a version of Power Rangers? Oh, yeah. So Power Rangers has like, of course. still been going on. Um, and the story that they have in Battle for the Grid is actually like based on the comics where it's like really interesting. Okay. So basically right. like an evil version of Tommy, um, assumes like all the green and white ranger power and then just like mm. is working on seizing the entire morphin grid. 
So now you have like a bunch of Rangers from all across these many shows trying to do this one final stand to just like take everything back. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah, so it's one of those like crossover things, the big, like all the comic books like to do is like Superman versus Batman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then they're like, we killed off Batman. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever. Yeah. I was a big fan of the Punisher. So like there would be one where like the Punisher murders everybody. And, but it was just like, Oh, that was just for fun. That didn't really happen. Yeah, Didn't he like, like Archie of all things? <laughs> I don't know. They had him kill everybody. And that's why I loved, that's why I loved it. But to go, to go from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back into they might be giants. Uh, I actually just not that long ago released the episode on sense around. Did you ever hear sense around because they might be giants. We're in the Power Rangers movie. Wait, Oh, oh my God. Like, I love the Power Rangers movie soundtrack. I do not get me started on that. Like, Sense Around, Sense Around. It's a great song. The whole soundtrack. Fantastic. Like, oh my God. No, like, when, when, uh, okay. Oh my God. I'm sorry for, I don't know exact my, scenes, dude. I'm so, I'm sorry for some <laughs> of my words, but like, I knew that the, no, it was going to be a good movie when, uh, I'm so. Of course, now <laughs> I forget the name. I know the theme with the skydiving, and I think it was a Devo song. It's like, oh yeah, girl yeah. Now, action girl. Now I don't know the name, but oh my god, pretty sure Devo's on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole soundtrack. <laughs> oh my god, like I, I can gush about it for ages. It just circles back to they might be giants. They got their finger in everything, yeah. and, and again, they're tapping into all these different subcultures that. I, they just they just know ways to grow their fan base it's just crazy like you know they're not shooting for you know a major label deal again obviously they're doing their own thing they already did the major label thing but now they're like okay we know our market we know the type of people that like us so let's try to expand that by going into like you know the japanese market or people that really like you know yeah i mean the power rangers i mean the power rangers movie was i mean <laughs> was an americanized kind of version of it but uh, you know it was a, a japanese um franchise and it was right? still good of course yeah and then like um and then with with Sega, actually, one of my guests, Chris, um, first heard They Might Be Giants when he heard Mammal on the Sega CD sampler back in 92. Oh, I didn't even know they had sample disc for that. Damn. They Yeah. So They Might Be Giants are everywhere. They're like, oh, you got this new cool video game system? Um, let's get a song on that shit. And so then that's, again, it made more new fans, you know? Um, it's crazy. So... We should probably get back to the song here. <laughs> I'm your boyfriend now. Uh, it, is there anything else about... We talked a little bit about the musical elements of this song. It's a pretty straight-ahead rocker. Uh, there's nothing too crazy about the arrangement. We talked about that guitar lead a little bit. Um, I think it sounds like a little bit more like fuller, per se. Like oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not like a real music guy but like the chords something about like the atmosphere just feels like more fuller so it gives you like a ha- happier atmosphere so when those lyrics sneak up on you it keeps you more off guard oh yeah it's yeah that's that's the bread and butter there it's just yeah. like uh, uh you know you don't realize how weird or dark the lyrics are the yeah the song like the one cool thing about it is that even though it's a John Linnell song and since since you haven't listened to episodes you'll hear I break down chord progressions quite a bit because I'm a music teacher and I went to school for music and I write music but usually John Linnell's songs are a bitch to play on guitar. <laughs> 
because the way you write a song on keyboards, uh, you know, there are keys and and uh, key signatures and stuff that are easier for a piano to play than there are for a guitar to play. Not that good players can't play in any key signature, but just like a natural chord progression on the guitar, one that just kind of fits right under your hand, might not necessarily be what fits well on a for a keyboardist or vice versa. And I've covered a lot of songs, and I've had guitarists, like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, let's cover this song, and I'll, I'll play synthesizer on it. And the guitarists are just like, oh, my God, why are there so many chords in this song? <laughs> you know, And they're like, what is that? B flat? I hate B flats. E flats? Why? Uh, you know, on piano, it's no big thing. But in this song, it is a very, very um, fairly easy song for a guitarist. It's got E and A, which are like, you could play... Those are some of the first chords you ever learn when you learn guitar, E and A. Um, it does have an F-sharp minor, which is like, you know, you, you need to learn bar chords to do an F-sharp minor or a G-sharp. But for the most part, it's like just these big open chords. So it's like, I read your book, brum, brum, just like these big, just regular guitar chords. Like it, it's not super weird um, chord progression like Linnell tends to do. It almost sounds chord wise more like a flansberg song his make more sense on guitar because he's the guitarist that wrote them you know so um yeah it's it's a really fun one to play and that's another reason i'm surprised there weren't more covers of it because it's not that tricky of a song it just sounds great it's not complicated yeah sometimes there's something to admire in simplicity definitely definitely in fact like, yes um one of my favorite songs um drinking from i think uh long tall weekend has like no lyrics yep. it's just got a great atmosphere yeah yeah the fact that that lyrics are like what most people talk about when they talk about the mp giants they can still pull off an instrumental because they know they they will write songs in any genre but even if they just go straight ahead rocker it's still a great song you know um yeah the song actually you know let's see There is actually a key change in this song, which is cool. <laughs> so it, it still is fine for guitar, but it goes to the Italian food and wine part. It busts out a D major, which if the song were an E major, that technically should be a D minor. So still just still that Linnell sneakiness where he's sneaking in. And when you hear it, you're not like, well, that was weird. It sounds great but he sneaks in some stuff that's out of the key or like just a split second key change and then back just probably to keep himself interested more than anything <laughs> right no one else notices it except me <laughs> yeah and not till i looked at it i had to look at it i didn't notice that just from listening so you want to get to the lyrics uh yeah sure so what, what what's what's your take on on this guy the narrator here or we could start with what are your favorite lyrics in it? What what do you like? What hooked you most? Like you start singing along. What's your favorite part? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think it's more like when it got to all do as you ask if I can figure out where you live. <laughs> no, yeah. it just swings <laughs> along that line. You know, we don't we think anything of it, but then it's like, and then you just go back to it because you feel like yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> I've probably heard something, but then yeah. <laughs> it took a year to find your house. And it was like, mm. 
Yeah, right? It, yeah, and he sings it, like, the whole thing is sung so casually. Yeah. That, that's that's another thing about They Might Be Giants is that, um, not that they don't show emotion or get revved up, but they're not, like, uh, they again, they're kind of sneaky in that, if I can figure out where you live, like, it's not sung in a creepy way. He's singing something creepy in a normal, melodic, catchy kind of way, so... Like you said, like the first time through, you're like, what? Did he just say that? Well, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah, if I can figure out where you live. You, so it, oh. he he called her. I don't I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It, it could be, a, a you know, but uh, called her on the phone um, and. But didn't want to leave a message. Right. Please, please leave a mess. Right. Drop the receiver, um, which is, again, dates the song to 2001. <laughs> Because a phone having a receiver that you'd put on to the, right? Like, it's, no, it's, people who have a landline still would know that. But yeah. a cell phone, a cell phone is just one piece. But it, it's not, you don't put it on a receiver. Yeah, they don't even have flip phones anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> I flip the phone right then. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then he's, he's, left, he's left a call. He's too nervous to leave a message. But he's he, he wants to go to her house that's like that's a big step man especially even for a stalker like you know you think even someone creepy even someone creepy you you think you'd be nervous about i don't know can we get into the head of a stalker here wouldn't you be nervous about to going to someone's house for the first time that you've been like idolizing for a while even even if you're like not above doing that creepy thing it seems like some of them that would be like that's a big step to take. Yeah, that's like in your stalkerdom. Yeah, that's like a high <laughs> tier. Like if, of course, hypothetically speaking, if I were talking to someone, <laughs> I would try to do <laughs> the whole chance encounter thing like a couple of times. You know, just like sure, seeing them right, at the grocery right. store and you know, around the parkway, maybe five times in a row. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like when you're in your young dating life or whatever, you find out where the person works, and then you stop in there like, oh, I'm just here to buy a bagel or whatever. The hell, hey. You know? <laughs> oh, hey, this is my favorite restaurant now. <laughs> no, it's always been my favorite restaurant. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. You really, you really come in here a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm must... just here for the pizza. What's up? <laughs> you must really like Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so but but this person is a famous person, an author, right? Uh I read your book or or maybe someone that a book was written about. So I guess it's not necessarily an author. I don't know. What do you think? I always is interpreted she, it as if it was like like a famous author, but you know, yeah. Like I guess That didn't occur to me till just then yeah. that people have books written about them. Because like when I was younger, um like, I remember I was, like, really into Goosebumps, and I actually like, wrote a letter yeah. to R.L. Stein, but it was not mm-hmm. easy to find his address. So, you yeah. know, like, I thought, you know, silly innocent me when I didn't realize the whole stalker angle of the song. I thought, no, nah, okay, maybe just read, like, author or whatever, whatever. Writing a fan letter is not stalking. Though. Yeah. But how did you find his address? If I remember, I think it was just, like... I, I don't remember if like his actual personal address or I just wrote right. uh wrote a letter to uh no the publishing company themselves in favor of R. Sure. Stein. Right. And, sure. And I remember just getting like a pre printed thing. 
didn't adjust anything, but I still thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he got so popular off that series. Like, can't imagine the amount of fan mail, fan mail you get yeah. um, for that stuff. But, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so I figure out where you live. Hey, R.L. Stein, you think your books are creepy? I'm in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an idea for the next story. <laughs> yeah, he writes a book about you. <laughs> then there was this this kid named Adam, and he was obsessed <laughs> with an author of scary books. It's based on a true story. <laughs> oh, oh, wait! I, I, I just had an idea. Like, we you could have like a whole meta narrative about that, where it's just about like an author writing about a stalker, but then the story that he's writing. End because the stalker is right behind him, like <laughs> and just ends just like that. <laughs> Poetic. Yeah, that would be pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I love the just yeah the casual nature of this song. Uh, just for your information, if you should hear this, I'm I'm letting you know that I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> and it goes into this. Uh, so even even on the wiki, it talks about this. Um, this uh, delusional disorder, uh, you can find it on the wiki there if you um, are looking at the, the main page in the trivia. And let's see. How do you pronounce this? Eridomania? Er, um, yes. Eritomania. Mm-hmm. Mania. Uh, it's, it's listed in the DSM-5 as a subtype of delusional disorder. It is a relatively uncommon paranoid condition that is characterized by an individual's delusions of another person being infatuated with them. Uh, this disorder is most often seen, though not exclusively, in female patients that are shy, dependent, and sexually inexperienced. The object of the delusion is typically a male who is unattainable due to high social or financial status, marriage, or disinterest. So, um, but I mean, in this case, I mean, we we assume that since these are guys singing, that the narrator is a guy. I mean, that's yeah. natural. But um, so he's obsessed with um, this author and thinks that she'd be cool with being, uh, you know, his boyfriend. It's like just to let you know, I'm your boyfriend now. And so yeah. that's uh, you know, I, I, that's never been confirmed by Linnell. This is just in you know in the trivia that. Um, it sounds like this narrator has this, you know, they're so casual in these lyrics. They're like, they're convinced, you know, he's convinced himself that, you know, if, if I could just find where you live, you'll be my boyfriend (laughs) or I'll be your boyfriend. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I'd never heard of this before. Had you ever heard of that? No, actually. And it's kind of ironic because. Uh, I'm a human services major in college, so uh, discussion about psychology and stuff like that, no, are pretty much the norm. So you really learn something new every day, honestly. Yeah, and, and and They Might Be Giants are the perfect band for me to have picked for this podcast because there's so many things in these songs. And this song, I've yeah, you know, I've had the lyrics memorized for years. I love this song, one of my favorite modern era B-sides, but I never bothered to click over to the wiki page or look up like, <laughs> You know, you just think like, oh, it's about this really obsessed person, this stalker. But you don't read into like, oh, there's a, you know, there can be this, you know, uh, diagnosed disorder. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like a step up from stalkerdom and where like, you know, you've got this disorder that is like, you just think these people from afar are like, oh, yeah, they 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 love me. But they 
may have never even have heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Is there anything else interesting here? I'm looking at the like the history of it. Um, okay, so aerodomania is more common in women, but men are more likely to exhibit, exhibit violent or stalker-like behaviors. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, uh, hopefully this, yeah, the, this story doesn't get violent, but there is a restraining order in the demo version. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why Linnell wanted to walk it back from something that required a restraining order. But though you don't want someone out in your bushes either. Right. Uh, the the core symptom of the disorder is the sufferer holds an unshakable belief that another person is secretly in love with them. Yeah. In, oh, in some cases, people might believe that several people at once are their secret admirers. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. You know, I was just thinking wow. about this, but um, just like thinking about the lyrics, I guess it all matters with something about perspective, where, um, you know, that section, you know, I can hear it in your silence, you know, yeah. like the, you know, the person who sings that song, you know, he probably thinks it's like really smooth and romantic, but like picture, right. <laughs> picture yourself being an offer. You know, it doesn't even sound like a song, just like a raspy demand. And you're just like right. fearful for your life. Just like hearing all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm your boyfriend now. It is, you know, I'm not asking, will you go out with me? I'm saying, you know, you, you, you will go can't out you with in- me. Can't you admit that I'm your boyfriend now? Yeah. You know, you don't need to tell me these things that I know are true. I'm your boyfriend. Yeah, the Italian food and wine part gets me every time because it's like, and I feel Linnell's yeah, but Linnell is just like picking the most like cliched things you would have, and it's written in two thousand one. I I mean, was internet dating even a thing then? Were any of those sites around then? But it just sounds like something. Yeah, or you'd put you know on well, they had dating services where you'd like. You'd videotape yourself, like uh, telling about <laughs> you, and then someone would buy, and then you could order this videotape of all these potential matches or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's the way. I you remember know. an episode of Home Movies. I swear, it's something like that. Oh God, Home Movies, man! <laughs> I'm just, it's funny. You've never listened to the podcast, but it seems like you have because these are things <laughs> I've talked about. Uh, home Movies is great, and. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, so it's like it's pre-internet dating, but he's saying all these cliche things. Like he might as well say like long walks on the beach or whatever. Like, you know, who doesn't like Italian food? <laughs> I mean, and I, I don't drink, but everyone else likes wine. I mean, it's like you might as well say like, well, I, I, I really like breathing. <laughs> I mean, it's just like one step up from that. It's like. I like Italian. Your boyfriend likes Italian food and wine, and that boyfriend is me. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, this this aerodomania is is pretty fantastic. So there were references all the way back to uh, what, Hippocrates. Wow, has has referenced stuff, and then yeah. Freud. Um, yeah, they're. I mean, they're mentioning all these people that I don't know if it says who who named it that. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't Hippocrates, but um, where is it? I'm just kind of scanning this. But yeah, it said it can also be linked to other disorders. It can be, you know, enhanced through like alcoholism and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, you know, paranoia or like, I mean, marijuana for one. Like if you're a paranoid person, 
you do not probably want to be a pot smoker because that could really get someone like this narrator get them really like oh I think oh I'm so you know I'm just uh, enhance these weird feelings um, and treatment. Prognosis differs from person to person. The ideal treatment is not completely understood. It seems like it's something that's so uncommon that really it's they haven't really figured it out. Um, it seems like they give some of the same drugs they might to someone who has Tourette's. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, and they might, and even ECT, they might do electroconvulsive therapy with people that have this, um, and as well as like traditional therapies and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I guess probably putting things in place in their life that keep them from acting on these unfounded feelings. Like, you know, that could be really bad. Yeah. If, uh, especially if it says that the men could, could be violent. It seems like when women that get it are more just kind of like from afar, just shy about it, but it's still not a healthy way to live to, to be wanting someone that is not available. Yeah, you really can't Or have. does not want you. Yeah. So G G E Barrios and N Kennedy outlined in Erdomania a conceptual history in 2002. Several periods of history throughout the definition of Erdomania has changed considerably. So, um, in classical times to the early 18th century, they basically just said, "Oh, it's a disease caused by unrequited unrequited love." And then early 18th to the beginning of the 19th century. The practice of excess physical love, so nymphom, so akin to nymphomania. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> and then early nineteenth century, beginning twentieth century, unrequited love is a form of mental disease. And then early twentieth century, the delusional belief of being loved by someone else. So this is still really still being figured out. And maybe, well, let's see. This oh, this song was written right before this book came out. I was like, I wonder if Linnell, <laughs> just being a studious guy. <laughs> had read this history of this. He's like, oh, there's this weird mental disease. I like writing about people with mental problems. <laughs> I'm going to read this book to get some lyrical fodder. Uh, but now, he, yeah, right before this, you know, maybe the authors of the book were inspired by this song. <laughs> <laughs> we should really write a book about that. No. <laughs> you know, I will say, um, I was just thinking about like an earlier point I think we were talking about, like, you know, like, how would this song work in the modern era? But honestly, I think it would hold up like really well. Just like the like mere concept of like like parasocial relationships or just like people like really popular online and their fans just having like a really like obsessive attachment to them. Because especially when I say like a streamer, you know, you gotta like have like a certain attachment to your fans, you know, like having like right. I'm like a group. You know, like name your fans like a little like cute name or whatever you know like personal greetings but then there's always gonna be people who take that you know a little bit too you know appreciative and stuff like that so uh-huh. yeah yeah i feel like the main concept would still like ring home even if like the tech is a little bit outdated yeah yeah um and i wonder like i wonder if this song was inspired by a fan that was infatuated with the giants or with linnell himself because you know like you know i'm obsessed with them i would like to think it's i mean maybe doing a podcast about it is unhealthy but (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) at least i've got an outlet for it you know i'm not uh outside his house but um if I could only figure out where he lives. 
<laughs> climb up the fire escape to his apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> you want to be on my podcast? I figured this was the best way to do deeply. it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't ask him. I'd be like, you've got to admit you're on my podcast now and I have a recorder <laughs> with me while I say it. <laughs> and he slams the window on my fingers and I fall off the fire escape to my death. That's how I'm picturing that would go. But it, w- man, I would hope this wasn't inspired by it. I bet he just came up with it. But there are obsessive fans about any band or famous person. I mean, I think a lot of people have dealt with this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Hopefully not to like any sort of intense degree, but it's not that uncommon of a story for, you know, maybe not the aerodomania, but like the, the you know, a little too friendly kind of or yeah fan who gets so attached they think that you're you're their for real life friend oh yeah i'm like don't even get me started animation because i know animaniacs have like a whole thing where they're just basically insulting fans who are like a little too obsessed with the trivia and all that really animaniacs yeah the please 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 get a life foundation they made a whole (laughs) deck all about that Please, please, please get a life foundation. Was this ter- during the classic run of the show? That was a bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, there, man, I love. And that there show. were rumors that it was directly um, trying to call out this one fan who. Oh wow! Yeah, liked Fifi from Tiny Toons uh, a little bit too much. And those, this uh, the show was still on. So being obsessed wow. with cartoons, that's not a new thing at all. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Wow. And, and I love, the aerodomania definitely comes into play with, um, so they say it can be linked to schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And it says in, um, yeah, your, your boyfriend wants to meet someone who shares his interests in listening to voices in my head. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you know, schizophrenia, it's a, it's a horrible disease, but if you've got voices and they're telling you you know you're basically convincing yourself through this disease you have your voice you know the voices are telling you that this person you know well you know they would want to be your girl you know your your girlfriend and uh, yeah. so here's a reminder i'm your boyfriend now <laughs> <laughs> if you should get this letter it's kind of like writing to her publisher like you did to rl Stein. Yeah. just for your information if you should get this letter but yeah, you know, in case you didn't, I'm your boyfriend. Uh, just trying to make that clear. <laughs> Anything else about the lyrics before we get to the cover section? Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Like at the very end, uh, like uh-huh. I don't need you to tell me the things I know are true. <laughs> you know, I guess it's like even he's like a little bit insecure of it, but he doesn't because he's so far in. He doesn't want to give it up. So yeah. It's like a, a little bit like a lapse of Sandy, but you know, even then all to the wayside. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm yeah. this far in now, so just tell me yeah. I'm your boyfriend now. There's a second of hesitation, but like <clears throat> for real, can't you admit it? Why don't you act like I'm your boyfriend now? It almost sounds like that last stanza is he's gotten to her house and she's like, Who are you? Get away from me. And he's like, Can't you admit that I'm your boyfriend now? Yeah. It's like, no! Call the call the nine one one. I always pictured um as soon if there were ever a music video for this, like I always picture in my head that uh as soon as the song ends, you just have like the offer from like her perspective, just like slamming the door. Yep, yep. And then the door slammed and he's like, Don't deny it, I'm your boyfriend now. 
and then the song's over. <laughs> it's like say anything. He's got a boombox that's playing oh this song. <laughs> it's John Cusack. <laughs> He's the narrator. He's standing out there at the boombox and it's playing this song. I wrote this for you. I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> Credits roll. Wow. All right, the covers section. So let's see what order I want to take these in. This um, this SoundCloud one, I have not even listened to this more than a second to confirm that, yes, it is the correct song. But the fact that it says parentheses burger cover, <laughs> I think that's the one we're going to listen to first. SoundCloud.com slash foreboding burger. <laughs> foreboding burger let's listen to this to, for the first time together shall we yeah sure early one day i got up the strength to call you on the phone you answered and said please leave a mess and i dropped the receiver then i'll do as you ask if i can figure out where you live and though the world may think you strange i find you just for your information, if you should hear this, I am letting you know that I'm your boyfriend now. I read your book, but then it took a year to find your house. I was nervous at first, and then it got worse when there was no turning around. If you don't know by now, just look, I'm right outside you. So yeah, I was I was getting the, the lo-fi feeling and you can even tell in the description there it says it's it's so funny the stuff people will post as their captions for YouTube or whatever in the in the SoundCloud one says recording on my desktop is a much more pleasant experience than on my laptop, but my laptop's got a much nicer mic. First world problems. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> I was thinking like, oh I love this lo-fi vibe, you know, it was recorded uh in you know twenty thirteen or whatever. And but it is there is overdubs going unless he's playing along with someone else. The guitar lead starts and there's still chords going underneath. So despite it being recorded on like a built-in mic, he did double track on you know GarageBand or whatever else. Yeah. What do you think? But honestly, like I really like it. Um, I think like the more like homely organic feel definitely like lends itself better to lyrics just like you can really feel like this is a person who's singing it you know what i mean because like yeah because like uh you know like an average joe let alone the stalker probably wouldn't have enough money to have like a whole band you know like they'd be focusing <laughs> all their time to getting all the information about the offer so of course just get that guitar out of storage and just sing your heart out thinking you're romantic <laughs> Yeah, like he's actually outside her house singing it with the guitar on the lawn. Right? Yeah. 
<laughs> Delusions awesome. of grandeur, yeah. Foreboding burger. And I love leaving comments on these things, especially the old ones. Seven years old. I just left a comment and it's the first it's the only comment on it. And I said, playing this on my podcast. So we'll see <laughs> if they still log into this account and we'll see this notification. Be like, whoa, someone's listening to this thing I posted seven years ago. Uh here we've got oh, this this next one, this piano cover. So the one I put in the email says uh, Gail on a piano. Uh this one's also from seven years ago. Okay. Um, which is funny. I mean, the else came out in twenty in two thousand seven, um, but here in twenty thirteen we got two covers. I'm your boyfriend now, piano cover, and it's uh Yorfs, Y O R F Z Yorfs on YouTube. Uh, change the lyrics to be gender appropriate. Original song by them might be giant. So Yorfs changed it to um, I'm your girlfriend now. So let's uh let's check that out. Early one day, I got up the strength to call you on the phone. You answered and said, please leave a mess. And I dropped the receiver then. I'll do as you ask if I can figure out where you live. And though the world may think you strange, I find you great. Just for your information, if you should hear this, I am letting you know that I'm your girlfriend now. I read your book, but then it took a year to find your house. I was nervous at first, and then it got worse when there was no turning round. If you don't know by now, just look, I'm right outside. You've got to admit that I'm your girlfriend now. Your girlfriend now is fond of long walks on the beach at night. Your girlfriend likes Italian food and wine Your girlfriend wants to meet someone who shares her interest in listening to voices in my head You don't have to say it I can say What do you think of that? Yours? You know, I was actually really interested by it because I think um, like the whole tone, she has like a real like a uh, smooth, elegant voice. You know, uh, gender uh, switching goes without saying, and her vocals take first. You know, it takes more presence than uh, the piano, and I think that all of that just subverts expectations. So, in my eyes, all that makes it a very faithful interpretation to the original song because those. No, subverting what you may think is like a calm, quaint song in first listen to something that's a creepy cautionary tale from the perspective of a stalker. <laughs> and yeah, and the gender switching works, especially with what we read about Aerodomania, yeah. that it's more common in women. Um, yeah, yeah, I love her voice, the piano, like the, the kind of... And it's a pretty um, mellow tone on the piano, too, the keyboard she's using. So it sounds real chill, and I like it. Good job, Yorvs. <laughs> so let's listen to um, a gal with a guitar now, and let's see. I don't think she switches the genders. Um, and here we go. This is YouTube user Shotzi2, S-C-H-O-T-T-Z-Y. 
numeral two, an awesome but creepy TMBG song. I have a cold, so I can. Re- I have a cold, so I can reach some of the lower notes. You know, sometimes when you get sick, you can you can get a little lower. Um, playing it in the key of E with a capo on four. I like that that she's telling us nerds that. So, um, well, it's it's in the key of E, but being that she uh, is uh, a lady with a usually would have a higher voice, capoed it up. Um, four frets up and let's check this out early one day I got up the strength to call you on the phone you answered and said please leave a mess and I dropped the receiver then I'll do as you ask if I can figure out where you live and though the world may think you I find you great Just for your information If you should hear this I am letting you know That I'm your boyfriend now I read your book But then it took a year To find your house I was nervous at first And then it got worse There was no turning around enjoy this um uh like the the higher pitch and you know her voice it just adds a tone to me that just it just feels like cotton candy sweet you know what i mean (laughs) yeah the key the key change bumping it up that much does give it a whole different kind of brighter feel but it's still kind of mellow especially because she's got a pretty smooth voice and she's using a um because this is the second guitar cover we've right. heard. But she is using, it's hard to see from the video, but she is using a classical style guitar rather than a folk style acoustic, meaning that it's got nylon strings instead of steel strings. So it's not so much jangly and percussive as it is just kind of smooth. Uh, you know, it's like a Spanish style guitar. Right. <laughs> um, it sounds nice. For me, um, and this is again my animation nerd showing, um, <laughs> but. Like, immediately, when I was listening to this, I got, like, immediate flashbacks to hearing uh, Rebecca Sugar's work. Like, her demos for Adventure Time in the TV Universe. All of it has, like, a very, like, similar, like, sweet, homely feel to it. And, you know, mm. I like being taken back to that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Good, good job. Yeah. We've got one more cover. Okay. And uh, it's from it's from the eighties. It was in a movie, you know. I don't know how they predicted John Linnell writing the song, <laughs> but and then here's where I'll drop in the Elm Street thing. Go ahead and listen <laughs> to this. If you you can skip to like, uh, well, so this girl she unplugs her phone and then it still rings and it's Freddy Krueger, you know. But so if you skip to like, yeah, like a minute in, her her phone is ringing while it's unplugged. Give that a listen. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Ooh. <laughs> His tongue comes out of the phone. <laughs> so that is actually from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. But if you search on YouTube, I'm your boyfriend now. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. The scene from Nightmare on Elm Street 1984 comes up. And uh, that's that's pretty great. Now, I think someone needs to do a version of I'm your boyfriend now that has that line sampled over every time he says, I'm your boyfriend now. It's I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> oh, not really a cover, but uh, it, it, it uh, it's a proto cover. It's pre the song being written. <laughs> oh, so we've come to that point in this. Oh, it, What's that? Oh, definitely. Like, um, for me, since you no, know, I'm a video editor by trade. Um, you know, if I were to like uh just like do like a, a little um meme, as the kids say for this, yeah. Um, I would just like take it, like the audio, I'll like make it sound like make the song sound like it's playing from the phone, right? So then uh-huh. when so yeah. when, when he says, I'm your boyfriend now, then the tongue comes out. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's basically be like a a, a shit post of this song. Yeah, I mean, a, a video shit post. Yeah, I don't even know. God, the internet is so weird. Uh, there, there, people would watch it. <laughs> we've we've come to that point in the episode where you must score this song. I would. What do you think? Out of ten, compared to your favorite, they might be giant song, which you said is also Doctor Worm. Same as myself. Where, if that's a ten, where would this fall? Now, I very much like uh, "I'm Your Boyfriend Now," but for me, Doctor Worm is a classic. It awoken me to this band, so I can't put it too oh, yeah. high. Uh, but giving credit to where it's due, I would say eight and a half. Yeah, good call. I'm yeah, geez, I'm thinking right around the same thing. I've always loved this song, and it's. It's a little ironic to be obsessed with a song about someone who's obsessed, but <laughs> but how did I not pick up on that? <clears throat> but I, you know, this is just a great, great song. It's just so catchy, and it's not one of their weird ones. But it's just like Linnell just harnessing his just like catchy, just like earworm hooks. You can't get it out of your head. And like you said, it's one you don't want to be singing. You know, walking through the grocery store, people would be like. um... Should we call the, the security? Uh, this guy's acting a little weird, but it, it's a great song. I think I got to go maybe a pinch lower and do 8.1. This is, I mean, I already said it's my, it's probably my favorite B side of the modern era. Considering, like, I kind of consider when, when Marty joined the modern era because they haven't changed lineups since, you know, so, you know, 2004 on. And this song is just out of all the weird, weird, like obscure songs they've done stuff that doesn't make it to albums or stuff that is um, put onto compilations and stuff. This is probably my favorite. It is a fantastic song. So 8.1 stick it to it. Yeah. Why don't you tell people one more time your uh, Instagram handle and your, your Twitter handle so they can find your art. Oh, okay. So um, right off the bat, I can tell you my Twitter. It is, um, I'll spell it out. Um, Yes. K K A S H C A S H art. That is my art Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter is K A S H underscore C A S H underscore. 
and my Instagram, K-A-S-H-C-A-S-H-001. 001, 001, 001, 001. <laughs> what, what's the significance of 001? Oh, no. Anything? Uh, I just... I just make a lot of accounts sometimes and sometimes sure <laughs> sometimes I just cannot get uh cash cash so I have to do right. the full numbers. I was hoping it was binary code for something. <laughs> no, I wish I was that smart. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. So follow me on Twitter. It's one one zero 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 one zero one one, which means yeah, and no one would ever remember or be able to find you. Uh according yeah. to plan. Your first podcasting experience. What what'd you think? Did you dig it? Yeah, I was very much like a fan of this. Like I I really think like this is just like um since I got this mic to do videos and just like stream stuff, I really feel like I'm just being more confident of my voice and just like talking to your internet. And this is just something that really helped me. So thank you for letting me be on here. Of course. Now you should actually go and listen to some of the other episodes. I think you'll dig it. The the Dr. Worm episode, I mean, I love that song so much. It was episode three. So way back, you know, a full year and a half ago, it was me and my wife. I had my wife on it. Um, I'll send you a, a link to my band playing it. I mean, I love it so much. We spent, I mean, and it's a full cover, drums, horns, everything. Oh, perfect. Um, not just a bedroom cover, a full-on cover. Actually, yeah, it's on this album... It's on that one. Oh, cool. And that's a picture of us from that radio show I was telling you about. <laughs> and that's on Spotify and Bandcamp and all this stuff. So um, I l- love that song. And uh, people really dug that episode where we kind of like settled into how the podcast was going to work. And having my wife who, you know, obviously, you know, we had people like, you and your guest had really good, uh, um, what did they say? Chemistry. Um, Really good chemistry. Yeah, that was it. And I'm like, well, I it was my wife, so I would hope we can, you know, know each other. <laughs> you know? And and you know, the way I got her to be my wife is I said, "Hey, I'm your boyfriend now." And then, you know, about a year later I was like, "I'm your husband now." And the rest is history. So <laughs> I think on that note, we'll end it. So, Adam, uh, thanks so much for being on, oh, uh, taking you. the leap into the podcasting world. Man, you did great. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one more random factoid. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but um, you remember how I said that um, Dr. Worm, Kablam, you know, all that. Uh-huh. Well, I found it so interesting because um, when I got Glean, um, and I noticed that they made a music video for Underwater Woman. It was animated by Mark Merrick, who helped very big mm-hmm. contributor for Kablam. So it oh, all I didn't it that. all comes together, you know. Like God, maybe I did hear that at some point. I know he's been all over the MIP Giant stuff. I didn't realize he was a Kablam guy, yeah. or I'd forgotten it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much the MIP Giant stuff just in my brain. Yeah. It's pushing out the old information to make room for the new information. <laughs> About aerodomania. So, <laughs> all right. And on that note, we'll we'll, we'll call it a night. People can find uh, at this might be a pod on Twitter. Um, email me this might be a pod at Gmail. Uh, this might be podcast.com. Um, we're on the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube, all the places that make me just waste my time and not and not see my poor wife. Who you know, <laughs> she's like, you demanded I be your husband, and now and now you just podcast all the time. 
So I just let her be on now and then. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to make her happy, I let her be on the podcast now and then, uh, and just spend the rest of the time in the basement by myself. So, uh, speaking of which, I'm tired. So let's call it a night, man. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>